Welcome to DJ Grandpa's Crib, the crowdfunding podcast. Each week, I interview real people with honest dreams. Today is Monday, June 2nd, 2014. And during this week in history, in 1933, the United States removed the gold standard as its monetary system when Congress nullified the right of creditors to demand payment in gold. Hi, Kickstarters. I am Juan. I'm here with Maria to ask for your support in our new project. Expressalo, the new generation of greeting cards. Francisco. Hey, DJ Grandpa. How are you doing? Doing well, man. How are you doing, man? Very good. Espresso, man. I could use one of those right about now, man. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, I could, use, I could use one of those right about now. <laughs> man, you're holding out. But that's okay, man. I could use one of those for my wife right about now, but... I guess I'll have to do it the old-fashioned way and apologize or something like that. Yes, those are perfect for that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one that gets everyone loves it, just loves it. Okay, (laughs) I I wonder, sorry. Now, in the video, you had uh, Juan and Maria, I believe, was it? Juan and Maria. Juan is the man behind this project. He's more like, like an artist. And what's Maria? What does she do? Maria, she's a creative and she's part of the team. Actually, the team is about 10 people. You guys are doing well on Kickstarter, man, but that doesn't mean I don't want people to go to kickstarter.com and check out Espresso, the new generation of greeting cards now. They're totally cool. Now, I don't know the process this is called. I always get it wrong. I want to say it's mediated reality, but it's something else that you use with the app and you kind of shine it over the card or whatever or the figure and it plays a message or something like that could you explain it to me the first thing is about the toys in the box right these toys are super cute super expressive people loves it all the time and besides that what we added recently is this app which works like this you choose your express alone then you create and upload a video or something you want to send to someone. Right. Then you give your express alert to your wife, <laughs> your friend, <laughs> whatever it is. My wife, yes. Your wife, for example. <laughs> then your wife, with her phone, she's, uh, with the app, she scans the toy. So she's going to see the toy coming to life through right. augmented reality. And after that, automatically it goes to the internet and brings the video that you had created before, just for her. I'm totally digging your augmented reality. I keep saying mediated reality, but that's a totally different 30-year-old principle, and you're talking about a totally different new principle in augmented reality. I've done it a few times, and it's totally cool. I'm a big fan of it. Now, where is the video hosted? You know, is there extra charge for that or something like that, hosting of your message? No, the, the app is absolutely free it's gonna be we are working on that and but there won't be any extra charge for using this you guys have about let's see how many backers right now roughly 500 backers you've been on kickstarter for 20 days man how's the community treating you how does it feel they are just awesome let me thank all the kickstarter community they have been awesome they are making comments suggestions everyone is very collaborative, uh, they just want us to succeed and to do well, so we are 
so grateful and very happy because, I mean, when, when you create these projects and you go live finally after, in this case, years of work, you just don't, don't know what, what's going to happen. So we are thrilled about how this is starting. So we are very, very, very happy. And it's over four years of work, I believe I saw in your video. It's been four years. It's mostly developing the characters. I mean, the thing about these toys and the box, it's that this person, Juan, who is the leader of, of all these, right. he really knows what he's doing. He, he has a long track and a long, lots of experience doing this for important brands, mostly. Right. And like four years ago, he started thinking, instead of connecting brands with people, connecting people to people. So he started developing with all this thing, this concept of these characters that could express them or help you to express in some way. Right. So it's a lot about the details and the colors and their identity and how putting all them all together, then going to making drafts, then going to 3D, then start thinking about the whole concept, the box, each character, which ones are going to say what. So all this process has a lot of back and forth and starts again. Right. So all this took about four years and that's why we are so happy now. <laughs> <laughs> now to me, these characters, these espresso characters, to me, they seem like happy gremlins, even though they have an expression or a character for every mood. So, I mean, I don't think we've really gone over what could they use these for. Like, I know they're greeting cards, so that's kind of implied, you know, a new generation of greeting cards essentially with the animals. But in your own words, one of the project creators, what can you use these for? What range of emotions? What sort of apologies? What sort of surprises or, or celebrations? The reaction that everyone has when you give one, it's amazing. So we all got and sent greeting cards. Mostly, for example, myself, I use them and I receive them most of the time for my birthday. Right. And they are amazing because people, of course, they are expressing them and I like to receive this kind of greetings. But when people receive an express law, I promise the toys and the experience of putting this out of the box, and the toys are so cute. They love them, and it's not only about that. I keep some of them right next to my computer, my laptop, and they last forever. <laughs> I always remember who gave it, who gave it to me. So that doesn't happen with a reading card. I mean, I'm from Argentina. Right. I live in New York for almost two years. I'm here. So I am very, I'm, I'm far from my, my people. Right. <laughs> and when you have these toys, you watch them, you see them, they help you remember that moment. So I have prototypes, of course, <laughs> but I, I can tell them they're amazing. Since you're from Argentina, how would they go over in your culture? In Argentina, people don't send greetings, neither greeting cards, nor greeting toys. Are they unfriendly? What's wrong? Are they not friendly? What's going on here? <laughs> we hug, we kiss each other, <laughs> and maybe write a card, but it's not, not all these things about the greeting in America. 
the history of the greeting cards and, and all the connection with the soldiers and the war. And I mean, the, the way it developed, that didn't happen in Argentina. Oh, gotcha. So it's kind of a different uh, way uh, of connecting. You seem totally passionate about this whole thing. And I guess four years would kind of beat you down. So you, <laughs> you'd have to be passionate to put that much of your life in it. And I'm really happy for your success or continued success on Kickstarter. We are watching all the time <laughs> our page. Right. And it's amazing. That feeling that you feel when, when the backers number <laughs> grows, it's amazing. That's difficult to, to explain. For anyone out there on Kickstarter, dude, go by and check out the page Expressalo, and it's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-A-L-O, the next generation of greeting cards. They have some very cool, some very cute Mogwai, uh, Happy Gremlin-esque type characters, kind of like DreamWorks and all of that. So go check it out. And if you can't find it there, please go to djgrandpa.com and check it out. Francisco, man, please tell Juan and your whole team, Maria, everybody out there in New York, wherever you guys are at Argentina, just tell them I, I wish them the best on KS, man. DJ Grandpa, in name of all of them, I appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Up next, I talk to Justin, a map maker for the gaming universe. He's on Kickstarter with Dungeon Ravenstein. My dear friend, as you have no doubt heard by now, Duke Marthingen and his men have discovered a long-forgotten catacomb beneath Castle Ravenstein's Bailey. Well, it seems the greedy sods have unwittingly awoken the restless spirit of Nakatheb, the mad sorcerer king of antiquity. Hey, the your name's Justin, right? Yes, sir. Okay, you're out of Arizona. Of Welcome to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thank you very much. I like this, well... I'm not sure which map I'm looking at, but it's a very colorful one. The first um, level one. Yes, sir. The le- yeah. All right. So the like I said, there's up to seven levels. Uh, the first two are the remains of an old catacomb that's 4,000 years old. Right. It was originally built underneath the castle as part of its foundation. And then over the millennia, it just sunk into the ground due to gravity and various natural disasters and unnatural disasters. And then what you're seeing there is what the main bad guy of the Dark Raven, kind of a, an unofficial mythos that we play with for some of our stuff. So he finds this in his era, and all the like the blue lights you see there are crystal chandeliers that hang from the ceiling, and that provides a light source for the right. dungeon. And rather than have something like torchlight, which didn't make sense for something that human eyes haven't seen in 2,000 years, or um, you know other sources of light, we're trying to have a little flavor in there, make it so it's uh, a little more printer friendly than something that's all shadows, make it pleasing to the eyes as much as possible. Now the one that you got there is, is a work in progress. Right. It's a lower resolution, quick build of the different components that we'd had turned in from our artists at the time. I've actually got all of the final art turned into me last week, and we've been uh, putting it together slowly and then all it's all going to get tied in together as far as a color palette but all that's going to be tied in together a little better in, in post so you guys are map makers almost like map makers to the king would i call you guys cartographers also with that hey, i think i've earned that title by now you can call me a cartographer and people who are into gamings they're kind of like into so many different aspects and spin-offs but they're really just into whatever 
magnifies their gameplay, enhances their gameplay, and that's what you guys do. So I see it, the soundtracks, the maps, things of that nature. So okay, I'm, I'm envisioning myself at the table with one of your cool maps, and I got a goblet because I wanna I want to feel like <laughs> I want to feel like I'm actually there in the dungeon, Ravenstein world, and I got the soundtrack in the background, and there, there might be a little dry ice over to the side of the room, and so there's a gust of, of smoke billowing up or something like that. Okay, I understand now. I, I'm in I'm in part, you know. I'm I'm in part. I, I understand now. I'm in the mood. So that's cool, man. A map company. You stumble on the craziest things on Kickstarter. I, I like the uh, the dry ice idea. I might, I might actually use that in my next video. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's not that expensive, man. If you, you know, I get dry ice every week from Peapod, man, and my children go outside, you know, because we have our groceries delivered, and we, they take the dry ice out, and they throw it on the hot pavement, and steam <laughs> and stuff just billows up, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's kind of cool. One of the persons in your comment section was like, uh, I will call him Greg in your comment section. He was just like, I backed it. This is a no-brainer. And me, I was like, well, why would people back it? But reading through your comment section, I sort of kind of understand that they're into anything that just enhances play. And that's what your maps do. A big aspect of the whole gaming community is, is the dungeon dive, like the, the traditional epic dungeon dive and one of the things that i was trying to accomplish when i was designing this map was giving the player something that was there was a lot to explore but not too much there was some diversity so it's not the same thing over and over but you've also got you know the opportunity to take your time you can rush through it and, and i wanted to really kind of if all we're going to get out of this is we we get to make two map levels we fund we get two map levels we can give our our audience right and if they're digging it awesome if they want more they're going to get more and i just wanted to I am my own best customer, and you know, <laughs> this is my heart and soul. What, what we're working on here, and and there's a lot of uh, my fellow dungeon divers are as passionate about this stuff as I am, and I want to make them proud. And I've never heard that when I am my own best customer. So that's really cool, man. You're giving me a new phrase to walk away with. <laughs> The fair trade for the dry ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I really like the actual area, you know, the size-wise of the maps. These things look great on screen, but um, like there's a, let's see, if you scroll down a little past the, the map with the smoke on it, right? you see some of the action shots. And having these things printed out in, in person, I had them mounted on poster board, too, for, uh, I did a, a demo at ReaperCon back in April. Right. And having them in person, in my hand, they're, they're enormous, and they were so much fun. To run a game on could you rattle off a list of the games that i might be able to play on these boards well off the top of my head um i ran uh hero quest as a demo right i used the the, the game system and then i used my own miniatures so it was a, a quick adaptation everybody that showed up most all of them had never played before but it took them about five minutes to learn how to play you could play uh skirmish games something similar to what infinity is like small tactical units Right. There's a fantasy uh, game called Warlord put out by Reaper Miniatures that right. would be perfect for these kinds of environments. You could even do like small-scale wargaming, like Warhammer Fantasy would work if you're trying to do like a, a castle defense scenario. Um, these would be perfect for that. And they're, they're large enough where you could get your armies on here without any problem. Like, let's say I have... Uh... My kids play these co-op games and, you know, they have their boards and let's say they played them a million times and they're just kind of 
you know, the game hasn't lost its fun, but they've seen the coverage area over and over. But with one of your maps, if I can do an adaptation or whatever, we could whip out the map and it's almost a brand new game again because you're almost like in a whole new setting or a whole new world, right? Is that close enough to it? That is exactly what I was going for with this. Okay, alright. Yeah, you've kind of done it to death on the old board and it's like, man, the game is all new again because we get to play it in a in a dungeon. <laughs> exactly, and the, the dungeon, the castle, um, I've got a whole list of modern era and maps, including um, our next Kickstarter. Uh, after we're done fulfilling this one, we're going to start ramping up for a Wild West set. Right. Trying to hit the different genres that are in need of, of some gaming environments. I was going to say, what did you mean by the digital IP theft environment? Having been a, a customer of a number of different companies that produce digital products, such as Fat Dragon, Worldworks Games, they create print and use terrain that's modular. It's, Semi-three-dimensional. Oh, yes. yes. They, they do some really good work, and I'm, I've been a customer of, of both of theirs for um, years. And one of the, the things that we're big on supporting in that community is not downloading from sources that aren't authorized, right? You purchase oh. this digital media from, from an actual retailer, right. and then you pay for it, and then you use it, right? Well, the problem with having a digital file worth anything digital, like movies, music, everybody downloads everything... So there is that potential where somebody's going to try to hook up your friend or they're just going to throw it up on, on a share site, like a torrent site of some kind. Yeah. And then ultimately, you know, you're going to lose a little revenue that way. But it's a risk inherent in, in dealing with digital products. But ultimately, we feel that the, the risk does not outweigh the necessity for convenience right. for our customers. Man, digital is hitting everybody in mysterious ways, man. Yeah, I know. Mysterious ways in. It's almost like the guy who invented the the nuke, you know? <laughs> it's like you're using my invention for ways that I, I never imagined, you know? Right. But, you know, the one thing that, that gives me confidence to keep dealing in, in digital media is that our, our customer base, our community, we're all very supportive about doing the right thing, and we take care of each other, and it's just it's a whole feel-good thing working in this business because there's a lot of loyalty and there's a lot of integrity here and that's why I, I decided to do this for a living. For anyone out there, you want to become a part of a community or maybe you already are a part of this community and I'm just kind of forsaking you. Go to kickstarter.com and check out Dungeon Ravenstein by Dark Raven Games and they're part of Flash Hammer Creative Studios. I mean, they, they're branded all over the place. But these maps are cool, man, and let's, like I said, let's say you've played that board game a little too many times and maybe it's starting to get tread marks on it. Well, here's a new, whole new board, a whole new terrain, a, a way to make it kind of new and fresh all over again. Like I said, kickstarter.com, Dungeon Ravenstein, R-A-V-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. Dude, thanks for coming on the show, man, and, and I'm, I'm really glad you gave the crib a chance. Thank you very much. Remember, we are the crowdfunding channel, and we cover the globe. Hi, Kickstarter. I'm Mike Goldberg, and I'm excited to introduce Storkstand. Storkstand is the first affordable, 
personal standing desk that attaches to the back of your office chair, making it compact and mobile for any office environment. With any stork stand, you can go from sitting to standing in just seconds. All right, the stork stand. The video is packed full of facts. Michael gives you just about everything you need to know to make a decision to say thumbs up, thumbs down, love, hate, whatever this product. Five years ago, I would have said, well, maybe seven years ago, I would have said stork stand. I don't know, man. I don't know. But it's like through working in Washington, D.C. at all these different media outlets, everywhere I turn, there's standing platforms for people to stand and work, not just sit down. So your project made total sense to me, the stork stand where you have the, you said the world's lightest, most compact. I saw you put it together in like 60 seconds in the video. Even less, 10 seconds, you can get it up and running. Yeah, so that's impressive. So let me stop talking, stop selling your project <laughs> because that is your job. And uh -huh. tell me more, <laughs> tell me more. I was really introduced to this because I worked in a startup environment, because I was working crazy hours. I was working you know, from 6 a.m. to 9, 10 p.m. every night, and I was sitting the whole time. And so I just wasn't used to this physical state of sitting all day long. I came from a background of, of sports, I came from a background, an active background. So this was my first experience really sitting all day long. Over several months, I just started to develop bad back pain, bad neck pain, and I realized that many other people with my work, many of my friends, my colleagues, also had problems with their bodies simply from sitting too much. And we never really stopped to think about, okay, so what is what we're doing every single day? How is that affecting our health? Right. I got introduced to these standing desks in general when I visited a friend who actually works at Google. A friend of mine showed me around Google, showed me the wonderful standing desk that they have and that their company offers their employees. And I would say at the time about over 90% of, of their, of my friend's department within Google, so several hundred people were all using standing desks. So it was just this eye-opening experience to see that people were really adopting and accepting this transition from sitting to standing. And they were seeing the benefits on a daily basis. Did you write this video or did you have professional groomers do it? Because it's like you didn't miss a beat. The truth is we bootstrapped this whole thing. Now, how did you get into the whole startup community? Because you're almost making it seem like a, a real grind. That's true. To your point, everyone has is wearing multiple hats. Everyone's, you know, working long hours and on the weekends. So, I mean, that's really where, you know, coming from a nonprofit world, we didn't have the funds to be going out and buying these healthy products, be going out and buying large standing desks, ones that much bigger companies, well-funded tech companies have. So I went to my company at one point and I asked them to buy me a large standing desk and they kind of looked at me like I was crazy. As soon as that happened, you know, I just started prototyping. I just started thinking of different ways. Okay, how can we make this much cheaper? And the neat thing that we realized, or I realized when I was first starting out, was one of the most costly mechanisms of a standing desk is the actual mechanism that makes it go up and down, so the raising and lowering. Um, oh. So if we can eliminate that part altogether and use something that we already have within our office, many of us have an office chair that goes up and down. Many of us have spent a significant amount of money on a really nice office chair. So how can we start to think about building products off of other products? And so I went through probably 10 other ideas before we started looking at the office chair and say, you know, how can we make this office chair which is a lot of people have an ergonomic office chair that you know is supposed to make you feel good even sitting down. Right. 
but how can we use that to actually stand, the, the foundation for a standing desk? So have you always been a take action type of person or what we would call handy? Like, you know, you have a problem and you just go out, somebody tells you no, and you just go out and find a solution for it? Again, I, I come from a background in art, so I'm a painter, and I come from a background in economics. So two very different things. Those are two different worlds, man. Worlds collide, oh. <laughs> man. How'd you do it? How'd you do it? I've always loved thinking about problems. So for me, it's how do we solve this problem most efficiently? And thankfully, a lot of the people I work with and a lot of people I surround myself here with uh, in the Bay Area have really similar minds. And a lot of times, especially with standing desks, it is the affordability aspect. So it just costs too much. And we don't want health to ever be, uh, you know, we don't want there to be an obstacle to health because of cost. Okay, you being an economics major, uh -huh. Was it a transition for you to come to Kickstarter to crowdfund? You know, I think the real reason we chose to go to Kickstarter, you know, I'm, I'm really big on customer feedback as early as possible. Right. Beta testers, getting feedback. As soon as you have your idea, how can we get feedback from people who may want to buy this in the future, may want to use this in the future? So from the very start, I mean, the first prototype we made of Storkstan was this simple, um, it looked like a triangle that, you know, you stuck on a chair and it was ugly. We used basically free wood, whatever we could find. <laughs> Firewood. Yeah, exactly. Firewood. <laughs> exactly. Whatever worked. <laughs> and... I just started having people use it. I really didn't care um, if people thought it was beautiful. I knew that in the long term we could make it a product that people enjoyed the look of, but I really cared about the functionality. Well, what did they say through their interaction? Some people attached it facing the opposite way of how it needs to be facing on a chair. Some people, you know, said, you know, can you make this even faster? So uh, to your point earlier, we put in a lot of time into, um, you know, making sure that it was really quick, easy setup. So the first prototypes, I mean, it was hard to put on a chair. You know, you had, it required a little bit of muscle. You, we had a big strap that wrapped around the back of a chair. Um, right. So it was a little bit difficult. And when you give these out to people who aren't of large stature and, you know, really strong. Uh, Conan, you had to be Conan exactly. to put it on him. <laughs> well, exactly. So if, you give it, if you're not giving it out to Conan, then you, it, it becomes really apparent that we need to make this as simple as possible to attach to a chair. Right. I mean, it's just little things like that that you allow your, your potential customers to tell you rather than you having these hypotheses, you want to test them, but you, you end up putting a lot of unneeded time into really small aspects, details that you may not necessarily need to focus on at that stage in your process. So right. I'm a huge fan of getting feedback from customers throughout the whole process. And I think Kickstarter and crowdfunding in general is a great platform for anyone who is of a similar mindset. You know, how can we get people involved? How can we get feedback as quickly and as efficiently as possible? Okay, well, I read your comment section on Kickstarter. because, And everybody seems pretty happy, though. I see a few questions here and there, but everybody seems like, uh, like they're pretty excited about the product and they pretty much understand it from the get, you know, what to do. And But is there anything that stands out as far as the comments on Kickstarter? Or would you like to thank the community, the backers? I mean, anything. Most definitely, I would love to thank the backers. I mean, we, we truthfully... I mean, have just been overwhelmed and truly inspired by all the people who have, you know, commented, who have shared their support, even if they couldn't afford to, you know, back our project at this time. It, 
that's so exciting and inspiring for us. I look at your title of your stork stand on Kickstarter right now, the most affordable, mm -hmm. but I want to stress mobile standing desk because I forgot about that. In the video, you, you saw how like some guy was just roaming through the workplace, these mm -hmm. these cubicle farms, and he was had his computer on his desk, and he was standing and walking and, and t uh, you know talking to other employees and showing them stuff on the screen as well as computing at the same time. And I thought that was totally cool, and sort of kind of well, in my opinion, innovative about your stork stand. That it, it just it's, it's modular. You know, you take it and run. You could be talking to someone and doing work at the same time while you're moving, or you could be showing them some sort of a presentation that's on your computer, maybe only while you know you met them at the elevator, you met them here, or whatever. And you know, I just mm -hmm. thought that's cool. You know. Stork stand is a great way to move from colleague to colleague to take into meetings. You know, we say it gives everyone the opportunity to have a window view for the first time. So you can take this to the window in the hallway and oh, you can. Yeah. I get really anxious if I'm working in one spot for a long period of time. So I'm constantly moving around. I mean, even if it's, you know, if I'm working at one coffee shop, I need to go to the next place. How much does it weigh? It weighs about 4.2 pounds, so it weighs less than a laptop computer. Okay, well, is there anything you believe I may have cheated you out of? I didn't give you a chance to say I cut you off. I was so, DJ Grandpa was so rude. Is there anything that I left out? I would just say a big part of our mission is to bring health to the office. So it's how we start to think about and how we start to take responsibility for health um, within our workspace. So a lot of us assume, and I did this for many years, I, a lot of us assume that our employer and our company is, is making sure that, that things are healthy within our office, whether it's our, our desk, whether it's our workspace, whether it's our air filtration system, we assume that they're taking care of those things. And although many are, I would say that Now's the time to start thinking about you personally. Every, every single person is different, and we all have different needs, whether it's at our home or at work. And I think it's, it's a wonderful time in our society because not only are companies looking at health within the workplace, but individuals are saying, hey, you know, this way that all my colleagues are working isn't working for me. So how can I make small changes that will have big impact in the long run? For anyone out there, go check out the Stork Stand. It's on Kickstarter. I don't I say that most weeks? It's on Kickstarter. Sooner or later, I guess I'll say another portal. But for now, it's on Kickstarter. The Stork Stand, the most affordable mobile standing desk. This is very cool. And dudes out of the San Fran area, I hear so many people love that area, except if you watch Fox TV. They're not a big proponent of San Fran. But other than that, I hear it's a pretty cool place to live. Michael, I really appreciate you giving me a chance, man. I wish you and your team the best because I'm preaching teamwork this year. Teamwork. That's how you get it done. That's how you win in this complicated society. And the stork stand, I believe, is part of the solution because a lot of people are having back pain. Well, thank you so much. It really was a pleasure to speak with you. And I, I just thank you for letting me uh, uh, be on your show. On this week's Crowdfunding Neutral Zone, I'd like to welcome Cody Harrison of Pillis Energy. His biotech company turns trash into usable energy. Clean water and electricity are vital to our way of life. 
Yet our global energy supply struggles to keep pace with the population growth and clean water is regularly outside the reach of nearly 20% of the world's neediest people, many of whom are children already suffering from poor nutrition and lack of life-sustaining resources. I'm thinking, man, after watching your video, I'm going to need an equity stake in this company somehow, man. It can be yeah. microscopic. I don't care, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Okay, Pillis Energy, right? Yep. I've been calling it or describing it as some sort of nanobot, some sort of monster, energy mm -hmm. monster. Yeah. Because I don't really get into heavy technical terms, even though I'm supposed to be a technician. But I, I've been describing it as you have this energy monster that kind of resides in some sort of box. And you feed it trash, and it turns trash into energy. I mean, is that a layman's type of thing that sort of kind of works? The only thing I would change about that would, uh, I'd be careful to say trash, because when I think of trash, I think of, you know, like what you put in, in your garbage and that, you know, your papers and right. plastics and stuff like that. So the bacteria are probably going to have a, a tough time uh, degrading that. So it's, it's more going to be your liquid sewage type stuff, oh, you know, what's, okay. what's going down the toilet and the, uh, you know, your garbage disposal, you could do uh, food scraps and yeah, right. sewage and, uh, Animal waste, uh, food processing waste, beer brewery oh, uh, okay. waste, farms, large farms, stuff. Yeah, like that. stuff like that. But it's kind of got to be in a liquid form for it to be uh, accessible to the bacteria. I like the community feel about your video, talking about how it, it basically showed an ecosystem, how one thing can affect mm -hmm. another. You know, it was mm -hmm. like a row of dominoes, and then you you even said that it, in the developing world, it was an even bigger picture. Because they didn't have maybe the impediments that we already have built up maybe in our society right now. So you could kind of take a totally different approach. And so mm -hmm. I just thought that was cool the way you guys laid that out. And one thing affected another because, you know, I, I teach mm -hmm. to my children sometimes and I teach to them about ecosystems and how one yep. thing affects another. And the world is a give and a take and, you know, that sort of thing. So. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. I'm, I I really uh, yeah liked how that video turned out. When is this going to hit the news? Like, you know, Cody has just created XYZ Pillars Energy, and it's actually uh, fruitful. So when do you think that type of story is going to hit the news? I like to set aggressive deadlines to try and meet them. And right. uh, so we're installing uh, infrastructure at this EPA facility. I think that should be complete within and have wastewater running through it in a month or so. And that'll be, you know, uh, that'll be the first time for the technology that you can really see a continuous flow of waste being cleaned and running through this thing. So I think then we could get some, some good press uh, from it. We'll see. It'll depend on, yeah, how the data looks and how well the technology is actually looking. But I'm, I'm really excited to see the sort of a medium scale embodiment of this. It's, it's going to be fun. And this EPA building will be in Cincinnati? It's the EPA Test and Evaluation Facility. It's uh, right on the campus of the big wastewater treatment plant here. Okay, let's say you hook this device, this, this mm -hmm. filtration system, this energy providing system, wastewater mm -hmm. cleaning system. You hook it up to this EPA building. What will be the outcome? Like, what will be the pluses? The most simple way to do it, I think, will be to use the electricity from the reactors, you know, to power the pumps that right. run the system. These pumps are in, in wastewater treatment. It's moving water is, is very uh, oh, it's heavy. energy intensive. Yeah. yeah. So if we can power those pumps, 
with the electricity from that, that would be really big. So another thing we're looking at is uh, the wastewater treatment plant is really well equipped to treat typical sewage, the stuff right. that's running down the toilet, but they're not as well equipped to treat the industrial wastes, you know, this right. really nasty, nasty stuff that kind of comes in and messes up their, their system. Right. So that's really what we're, we're looking at. If our bugs are, uh, are sort of uh, robust enough, you know, we pick sort of the heavy hitter of the bacterial world for that reason. And uh, it's able to survive in a wide range of temperatures and resist heavy metal poisoning. And it's, uh, it's really, really, you know, a, a survivor. We're hoping that that's going to be the real benefit of this technology is to take out the nastiest of the nastiest waste and deal with that so we don't have to put it into our sewage systems. And that would be a huge benefit. You know, something else that, you know, along those lines, a lot of the United States is, is running off what's called a combined sewer overflow or a combined sewer system. Right. And during big rain events, our sewer gets overflowed because the rain goes into the same sewage system as the sewage. Right. When it rains too much, you don't want that sewage backing up into the street. Right. That's not good for anyone. So instead of that happening, they release the sewage into rivers and streams. So like 40,000 times a year, we're releasing untreated sewage into, into our rivers and streams because our infrastructure is, is outdated. So if we can reduce the really nasty stuff in the sewage, we can prevent it from, from going into our river systems, and that would be big. What if you hear one of these stories about, like I hear, like the water catches on fire in Texas or such and such community has been poisoned, their drinkable water has been poisoned. Would the EPA or your company be able to like fly in some sort of treatment facility that's already self-contained with these organisms to clean up the mess, you know, that may have been, um, you know, these may be pollutants from a factory or something upstream mm -hmm. or whatever that's poisoning the water table or something of that nature? Yeah, I would love to see it be done that way. You know, we're definitely trying to design it to be a mobile contained system that, you know, can be moved from place to place. And yeah, if a chemical spill or something like that happens, and you can get something in there real fast. That would be awesome. And would I refer to your bots as, are they nanite technology by any means? Bacteria themselves aren't quite at the, the nano scale. They're more in like the microns, like one, one step up. But like the processes that are going on inside of them are at the nano scale. So I think you can make that argument. Okay, well, let me ask you another uh, theoretical, philosophical. I mean, do you think we're going to be able to save the world? I mean, with all the craziness and, uh -huh. I mean, with your bioengineering things, I mean, do you think we're going to be able to save the world? Because I'm a Trekkie and I'd like to believe that. Or do you yeah. think we're going to create just some sort of monsters and, and you know, we're going to have to clean up the mess? Um, I mean, I, th I think that's where we're at right now. I'm, I, I like to, Which I try to stay optimistic. With the monsters, you know, oh. trying to clean them up. I think we've, we've already done a lot of damage, but we certainly have the technology to do it. It's it's just whether or not we want to buckle down and, and get to it. And the other thing is, you know, the planet's going to be fine. You know, people say save the world. The world's going to be here no matter what. It's it's life and, and humans and animals and stuff is sort of a, a question mark. But yeah, bacteria, they're not going anywhere. They're No matter what we do to the planet, they're going to they're gonna be fine. Is there anything you expected from this interview that I haven't given to you, you know, that I didn't ask you that you think maybe I left out or something like that? You know, I was sort of expecting a question on, yeah, like maybe the ethics of genetically modified stuff or something like that. But otherwise, you know, I'm enjoying it. I didn't really get into the ethics of the genetically modified thing because I, 
I've watched sci-fi my entire life, so I just kind of expect that to happen regardless. I just think that if it's not you and if you're not an ethical person doing it, there's going to be people who are unethical, who, who have seemingly limitless resources and they're going to do it one way or the other so i'm not Mm -hmm. question if you were monsanto i would have questioned you but right right (laughs) because they have a bad rep yeah exactly we're trying to show the world that uh there is a different way to to do these things how could i find your website uh you can check us out at pillowsenergy.com or www.tariga.com is the uh the new acquiring company's website i'm glad that you got your money for your research and to help the company and your dream live on that's totally cool man i know you've put years of work into this science because it doesn't happen Mm -hmm. overnight i hope that your test with the epa and and all your top secret labs uh go well thank you i'd like to thank all our guests I'd also like to thank our listeners. Each week, we couldn't do it without you guys. A special thanks goes out to Trevor Williams and to my mentor, The Mumbler, for providing music to DJ Grandpa's crib. Thanks to Jeffrey Banks, Bertram Zeke, and Zach Samal, our assistant editors. Until next week, so say we all. The homepage for DJ Grandpa's crib is djgrandpa.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, DJ Grandpa's Crib, all one word. Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, which helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to leave a comment while you're there. Our producer is Von Rupert. The executive producer of this and all Bedrock Communications podcasts is A.F. Rufus.